This is K.M. Wyland, and you're listening to the 181st episode of the Wordplay Podcast. I have a really hard time believing 2013 is already upon us. Where, in thunderation, did 2012 scamper off to in such a hurry? Speaking personally, 2012 was a really great year. Busy, but not swamped. 2013 is shaping up to be just as great, but definitely more swamped. When possible, I like to limit myself to two big projects at a time. Right now, I am staring down four. The Deepest Breaths rewrite, Storming's research and first draft, the annotated Jane Eyre's first draft, and in another month or so here, the first draft of my next nonfiction craft book, tentatively titled Structuring Your Novel. I have been scheduling like mad to try to figure out how best to fit everything in to make sure it all gets done by the appropriate deadlines. I'm having a lot of fun with the Jane Eyre book. I finished my initial note-taking read-through of the book, and I'm typing up my notes. So many juicy things for novelists to learn from. It certainly taught me a thing or two, and I look forward to sharing them with you when the book comes out in 2014. Use this subplot to bring depth to your story. The latest post in the video series on my blog suggests the value of an emotional subplot to bring instant depth to any character. To watch it, visit my website at www.helpingwritersbecomeauthors.com. New videos are posted every Wednesday. And now, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast, the fifth in the series, Structuring Your Story's Scenes. This installment is titled, Options for Disasters in a Scene. The disaster is the payoff at the end of the scene. This is what readers have been waiting for, often with a delicious sense of dread. This is the answer, at least partially, to that all-important question, what's going to happen? The final act in the three-act structure of your scene is the outcome. The first two parts of the scene, the goal and the conflict, asked a question. The outcome answers it. If our hero, in our previous examples, asked the scene question, will I be able to go out with the girl next door, the answer, the outcome, will be either yes or no. As mentioned earlier, some authors resent the use of the word disaster for this final part of the scene, since it seems to indicate every scene must end with a Perils of Pauline-esque cliffhanger. But we're about to discover that the disaster is a master of disguises and can come in just about any shape or size necessary to fit the needs of your specific story and scene. The important thing to keep in mind is that disasters drive the plot forward. If everything turns out hunky-dory and the protagonist gets his scene question answered exactly as he hoped, the conflict withers up and dies and the story peters to an end. This is why I prefer the emphasis on disaster. At the end of every single scene, you should be looking for a way to thwart your character's hopes and make his life miserable. This does not, however, mean he should never gain ground toward achieving his goal. He can achieve part of his goal while still experiencing setbacks. The point is to keep the pressure on and never let up. Scene disasters are probably the easiest of all scene components to spot. If it's bad, it's a disaster. Disasters come in every variety imaginable, but we can attempt to narrow them down into the following basic categories. 1. Direct obstruction of the goal. For example, the character wants information which the antagonist refuses to supply. 2. Indirect obstruction of the goal. 
For example, the character is sidetracked from achieving the goal. Three, partial obstruction of the goal. For example, the character gets only part of what he needs. Four, hollow victory. For example, the character gets what he wants only to find out it's more destructive than helpful. These disasters can manifest in any and every way your sadistic little imagination can dream up. Some of those ways might include 1. Death 2. Physical injury 3. Emotional injury 4. The discovery of complicating information 5. A personal mistake 6. A threat to personal safety or 7. Danger to someone else This is where the fuse on your scene's firecracker runs out. Are you going to give readers a bang or a fizzle? Don't skimp on disasters. This is not the time to play nice with your characters. A weak disaster will leave readers feeling dissatisfied. Worse than that, a piddling disaster leaves you with a soggy foundation for your following sequel and scene. Each scene's disaster is the setup for the next scene's goal. So, weak disaster equals weak following scene. The intensity of any given disaster will always depend on your character's personal desires and needs within your plot. A burnt cake may be inconsequential in a spy thriller, but it might be calamitous in a young adult story about a teen who's pledged a spectacular three-layer cake to her school's bake sale in order to get in good with the cheerleading squad. So if your story demands a burnt cake, don't settle for one that's slightly overdone. But by the same token, why settle for plain old charbroiled? Why not consider the implications of an oven fire that turns the kitchen into a war zone and gets the attention of the whole town when the fire engine comes clanging up to the teen's front door? Push the envelope every chance you get. But don't forget to use common sense. Disasters must be logical within the context of the story. An atomic bomb landing smack on the teen's kitchen is probably going a smidge overboard since it's not going to make sense within the context of the story, it's going to smack a melodrama, and it's also going to wipe out your cast of characters. Sometimes, in order to advance the plot, your disasters are going to have to be incomplete. The partial obstruction of goal and hollow victory disasters we talked about earlier are two examples. Jack M. Bickham, in his book Scene and Structure, refers to these partial disasters as yes-but disasters. Yes-but disasters are going to occur when your character gets a qualified or even total yes in answer to the scene question. He fulfills his scene goal, but there are unforeseen complications. In a partial obstruction of the goal, he may achieve part of his scene goal, for example, the neighbor girl agrees to go out with him, but not all of it or not exactly as he envisioned it. For example, she only agrees to grab a quick cappuccino instead of dinner and a movie. In the hollow victory disaster, he may get exactly what he wants, only to discover he would have been far better off without it. For example, our cake-baking teen might finish icing her gorgeous three-layer cake, only to have her mother show up and reveal that the teen just used the last of the flour, and now the whole family will starve. Okay, so that's a little melodramatic, but you get the idea. Once you've identified your scene's disaster, 
Stop and ask yourself the following questions. 1. Does your disaster answer the scene question as posed by the scene goal? 2. Is your disaster integral to the scene? For example, is the disaster a direct culmination of the scene conflict? 3. Is your disaster disastrous enough? 4. If your character partially or totally reaches his scene goal, is there a yes but disaster waiting to slow him down? 5. Will your disaster prompt a new goal from the character? So what do successful scene disasters look like? Let's examine our chosen books and movies. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. The first chapter ends with an apparent defeat when Mr. Bennet refuses his wife's plea to visit Mr. Bingley. As far as Mrs. Bennet and the readers can tell, this is a total disaster. She didn't get a thing she wanted out of this conversation. What she doesn't know, of course, is that Mr. Bennet is just being a pill, since he already made up his mind to do just what she asked. In essence, this is a variation on the yes-but disaster. However, it's one to be used with caution, since in most instances, it will appear to readers as an authorial lie used to create false suspense. It's a Wonderful Life, directed by Frank Capra. The opening scene with the angels doesn't properly end until the beginning of the third act, when Clarence shows up in Bedford Falls to rescue George, and even then it's only implied. Technically, the entire movie up to this point is part of that first scene, since it's simply a dramatization of Joseph's summarizing George's life for Clarence's benefit. The scene's disaster, therefore, would be the end of Joseph's story, in which George decides to commit suicide for $15,000 life insurance. Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card The first chapter ends with a bravura disaster, in which the conflict with the bullies forces Ender to take brutal action. He beats up the lead bully Stilson so severely that it is implied, and later confirmed, that the boy dies. Although Ender achieves his immediate goal of escaping the bullies, he will be haunted by Stilson's death for the rest of the story. Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, directed by Peter Weir. After the low-key conflict in which Midshipman Hollum struggles to decide whether or not he should beat to quarters and call the captain to deck, the disaster strikes dramatically when the French privateer Acheron fires on the surprise from within the fog. A tense and bloody battle, which tears up the ship, ensues. Once you've created a solid disaster that evolves naturally from your scene goal and conflict, you will have created the first of many solid scenes. Piled one upon another, these three-part building blocks will create your story. Thank you for listening to the Wordplay Podcast. To read a transcript of this episode, you can visit my website at helpingwritersbecomeauthors.com. And be sure to check back again next week.